Right now, I'm excited about what God is going to do. God has a word for you, and I have asked Jared to come and to share what God's put on his heart, and he shared a little bit with me about what it is and what he's doing, and man, it's going to be incredible. So Jared, come on up and grab a microphone. Come on, let's welcome Jared and just uh, share with us. God bless you. Well, hello, Core Church. As Pastor Rick said, I've been given the honor to preach this morning, and I know that God has given me a word just for this morning. I am so excited for each one of you here just to really press into the word and hear what God has said. So will you let me pray with you today? Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts to the word. I pray that each person listening within the sound of my voice, whether in here or whether online, that you would open up their hearts. Because I believe you can move. I believe your Holy Spirit is going to pour into this place, Lord that this sermon will be a moment of faith that they can carry throughout their week, that they can remember so that they can press into God in whatever season they're in. Glorify thy name. Amen. You know, I've been reading this week the life of St. Patrick. Really, really interesting guy, actually. So he was born, he wasn't always called St. Patrick. They didn't born him and say, you're going to be called St. Patrick. He was just Patrick. And he was born in Britain. And he was actually taken from Britain as a slave to Ireland. Actually, Irish raiders came into Britain and took all of them and took them over as a slave to Ireland. And when in Ireland, he says by his own admission, he didn't actually know God in Britain. But when he was taken to Ireland, he realized his need for God. And he actually became a Christian pressing into God during his slavery in Ireland. Later on, God freed him. God took him out and he felt called called by God to go back to the people that enslaved him and reach them for Jesus Christ. And he spent 40 years in Ireland reaching the very people that had taken him from a young age and reaching them for Jesus. In the end of his life, he wrote a memoir called The Confession. The first three chapters are just amazing reading them. And he actually calls that moment a blessing. What was supposed to be a really terrible time of change turned out, he said, no, this was a blessing in my life. He writes in his memoir that this is how we can repay such blessings. That when our lives change and we come to know God, to praise and to bear witness to his great wonders before every nation under heaven. What was a terrible and awful moment at first turned into him glorifying God and saying, you know what, this moment I grew in. This moment I took this and I grew in the things of God. And you know, sometimes we, we as Christians, we, can, we are not like those of the world. We can use life's troubles and the new seasons it gives us and the, and the hurdles it gives us to thrive and to grow and not just survive, but to thrive in the things of God. I know that Sometimes we, we love comfort. We love things that are comfortable. I have a, a, a chair I bought online, a theater chair, and it is the most comfortable chair in the world. You can eat, you can sleep. It even comes with a little table in that chair. You never have to leave that chair. You know, even the stock market is, is, is born from, from knowing what happens next. They feel comfortable when they know what happens next. The most important thing for the stock market is not whether things go good or bad, but whether they can expect things to go good or bad. But I find when we get too comfortable as Christians, when we get in our chair like I like to do, sometimes we can stagnate, we can stop, we can stop growing. I'm often reminded of the, the tree 
that these scientists were attempting to grow. And every single time they would grow this tree, it would grow big and strong. And then it would immediately fall over. And they would say, well, that's not supposed to happen. What are we doing? We're giving it everything it could ever want. Well, it turns out there was one thing they weren't giving it. They weren't giving it any struggle. Because every time this tree would feel a storm, every time this tree would have something have to it that it didn't expect, it would grow its roots stronger and deeper in order to overcome that storm. And if it does not do that, when it gets tall, it will collapse because its roots are not enough to hold the tree itself. And sometimes we find new seasons to be uncomfortable. They're not what we want. They're not what we like. But we need to know how do we grow in them. So this morning, I would like to preach on prepare to get uncomfortable, thriving in a new season that God has for you. And you know, for the past 21 days, if, if you're here, or maybe this is the first time you're hearing it, we have been trying to press into God and really just seek Him more. We've been, doing, we've been doing booster shots, and it's been really amazing. And I think God will honor that, and God will, will use that to bring us into a new season. And there's going to be seasons, and there's going to be moments where, like St. Patrick, we can be given the opportunity to know God more, to take a situation that was terrible, and to use it to grow in the things of God, you know. God was always doing this with his children. Pastor Greg even mentioned last week that God was growing him even in the human rule, which was do unto others as before they do to you, turning into the golden, turning into the law rule, do unto others as they do to you, to, un- to the golden rule, which is do unto others as you would have them do to you, which is now our rule, Christ's rule, Do unto others as you would have Christ, as Christ has done to you. Every time he came to Israel, he was trying to show them just a little bit more of himself, just a little bit more of his goodness, and just a little bit more of his grace. And I think it's in these moments of life and the troubles and in the good times that God tries to grow and show us, okay, you know this part of me, you know this much of me, but let me show you just a little bit more. Let me show you just a little bit great. Sometimes it's important for us to get uncomfortable, or as my work calls it, to get out of our swim lanes. They love that term, swim lanes. And actively seek the new things of God. You know, I, uh, I love AI. I think it's just the neatest thing ever. Specifically, I love AI because I hate working with Microsoft Word, and I hope one day AI makes it so that it does it all for me, and I never have to, I never have to go on Microsoft Word again. But if you ask... You know, the poll of standard people, there's a little bit of fear there. In fact, an article in the Insider says that 79% of all Americans think are fearful of AI. They think it's going to drive pay cuts and tank their job. They're afraid because they're not sure what's going to happen next. They're not sure they're going to be able to deal with it. But we as Christians are not like that. We cannot be afraid of what's going to happen. Oh, what if this happens? What if this falls apart? What if AI comes and takes my job? We need to be bold in those moments, knowing that we can grow in Christ in them. We don't have to be afraid of change. And you know, when I was reading of of St. Patrick, it struck me how absolutely uncannily identical it was to the story of Daniel in the Bible. He actually has, in one of his first paragraphs in the Confessions, you can look it up online and see it, it says that God took us from our land because we were rebellious against him, and he spread us among the nations so that we may know him. That remind you of anything? It's almost identical to the story of Daniel, and I think the story of Daniel 
is a good story of faith for us to learn, okay, so we have these new seasons. We need to press into God. How? Though, how do we do it? So Daniel, it says in chapter 1, verse 3 through 4, that the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. I'm reading this and I'm thinking, you know, Daniel was probably living pretty well off. It says specifically here he only picked from the kings and the nobles. Life was good. Maybe he was thinking about what marriage or where life or what he was going to do, what job he was going to have. But then life suddenly threw him a curveball, and he's in a foreign land where he doesn't know what to do. And sometimes life throws us curveballs, and seasons come that we do not expect, and we say, okay, what am I supposed to do now? So I'm going to go over three points of how do we thrive from Daniel on what do we do when those new seasons and the changes come. And the first point is that we thrive in our new season when we choose God rather than comfort. You know, the Babylonians, when they were there, the first thing they did is they, they brought them all in and they, they taught them their letters, they taught them everything, and of course they gave them food. And this was a problem for Daniel for actually two main reasons. One, the food that they were giving them was very likely unclean. They weren't going to say, well, for you Israelites, we're going to give you only sheep. And, and second, the food that they gave them was meant to be very likely a, a symbol of their God's strength. So if you ate the king's food, that was the same food that very likely was sacrificed. And so when you ate it and you got strong, it, would, it meant very likely you got strong from their gods. Their gods were giving you strength. And Daniel said, oh, no, yeah, I can't do that. It says in Daniel 1.8 that Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. Now, Daniel was not right here in a position of bartering, but he stood. He said, you know what? It would be so easy for Daniel just to accept the food and move along with it. You know what? I can still serve God, but, you know, as the saying goes, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Don't do as the Romans do. They did some pretty awful things. You know, and we've been 21 days of pressing into God, and it would be so easy just to continue as we've always done, to keep doing what we've always, always do. But there had to be some sacrifices. There had to be moments where we specifically chose to say, you know what, it would be easy to keep doing this. It would be easy just to keep accepting this. But I need to choose to take this moment and give it to God. And if you're new this morning, maybe you have no idea of this 21-day thing and you're just listening, and I would encourage you just to take purposeful steps just to press into God, something that is a little bit uncomfortable, steps, something that steps a little bit outside. Maybe for some, it's, it's getting up earlier. Maybe for others, it's staying up a little bit later or maybe taking time away from lunch and saying, you know what, normally this is my time, but I'm just going to take just a little bit of time and I'm going to really try to pray. I'm going to really try to read my Bible here in this moment. I'm really going to just try to press into God because if we're going to grow, if we're going to be prepared for these new seasons that comes to overcome any change that comes our way, we need to make that concerted effort to press into God rather than just doing what's comfortable, what's easy, and what we've always been doing. You know, the second thing we need to do is we thrive in our new season when we have faith and boldness to act. So Daniel had great 
he had great uh, honor from God. He was able to go. He was able to eat. He was able to eat the vegetables. But then he heard some bad news. You see, the king had this dream, and he was troubled about what this dream was. He didn't know what it meant. But he had another problem. He had a bunch of yes men around him, and he knew that if he went to his wise men and he told him his dream, that they would probably talk about how great he was and how awesome he was, and they would not tell him a thing about what that dream meant. So he had an idea. He went to the wise men and said, you know what? I want you to interpret this dream of mine, but I am not going to tell you what it is. You're, you're supposedly magicians, right? You tell me what my dream is, and then I'll know you can interpret it. And the wise men just went stone cold. Oh, that's not... That's not how, well, why don't you tell us the dream? Oh, of course, we'll interpret it for you. He's like, no, that's not how this is going to work. You tell me this dream, then I'll know you can interpret it. And uh, they responded poorly, and the king ordered that all the wise men in Babylon were to be killed. The problem with Daniel is that that included him. That's what he was being trained as, a wise man. So that's not good. So what does he do? It says in Daniel chapter 2, verse 16 to 18, that at this... The first thing that Daniel did is he went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends. He urged them to plead for mercy from God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Now, the crazy thing about that is that seems backwards. See, normally we think that when something happens that we don't expect, when troubles come, you pray first, then you step out in faith, right? But here it's backwards. Daniel went to the king first and then went to his friends. But it actually wasn't backwards because he had been praying this whole time when he chose with the food with the small things, in order to press into God them, he had been building up his faith, so he knew he could go to the king. He knew he could step out in faith and then believe because he knew his God. He had already been praying. He had already been pressing into God so that when the moment come that he had to act now, they weren't going to kill him tomorrow. They were going to kill him today. He knew he could step before the king and say, you know what, I know my God, and I know if I go to the king and say, I'll interpret your dream, that my God will answer that. And then he went to his friends he got the brothers and sisters together, and he began to pray. And we have bad news. When something comes that requires us, to, and sometimes things come, and we need to act now. We can't wait till tomorrow or the next day. Sometimes we need to think, okay, I don't need to sh shirk back. I, I don't right now necessarily need, and, and keep with me here, I don't necessarily need right now more prayer time. I need to step out in boldness. I need to believe my God. I need to take what I've already pressed into God and step out in faith, and then, yes, Go and find someone to pray with. Perhaps it's an illness or a family situation. Perhaps it's trouble or work at home. Perhaps you heard something from the doctor that you didn't quite like and that was not all that great. Step out in faith and then find someone you trust, someone that you can believe won't go and tell the world because they're on social media, someone who won't share everything. Find someone you trust and pray with them. Have them pray with you, as Daniel did. He went and had them pray. You know, in Acts 29, the believers are under intense persecution. They don't know what to do. So they go up into the upper rooms, and they pray, and they just believe for a miracle. But what do they pray for? 
They pray in Acts 4.29, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Is that what we're praying when we gather together with our friends? Are we praying for boldness or are we praying, you know what, God, just get me through this day. I just need to survive through this day. If I can just get through today, I will be fine. The disciples were under threats of persecution and death and crucifixion, and they saw how awful that was. And they said, what we don't need is to survive. What we need is boldness. And I think, church, we need, as Christians here and all across the world, with everything that's going on, what we need is boldness. Boldness to step out, boldness to act, boldness that when the time comes and the hatchet comes down, and something terrible happens at work, we can step out and say, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to press out to God, even though I'm, I'm not sure if I want to, but I'm going to keep going. I'm going to press into God. And in Acts 4.31, we see what the result of that is. It says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. Don't discount what choosing God rather than what's comfortable and what's easy and simple and what everyone else is doing can do to give you the boldness when you need it, to step out when you need it. The third thing that we can learn from Daniel is that we thrive in our new seasons and we can trust God in the small things. And I, 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 I love this one because you see Daniel at this point, he's successful, everything's going well. He made him ruler of the kingdom. He has the nice job. He has the nice house. He just bought a new electric vehicle. I, I, I love electric vehicles. Anyway, so he just bought a new, he just bought a new, uh, just bought a new car. And it's especially when things are going well that we have to be the most careful. Because Daniel at that point learned that anyone for the next 30 days who prayed to anyone but the king, king worship, would be thrown into the lion's den and devoured. In case you didn't know, it is painful to be devoured by lions. It's not, not, not an easy way to go. And what was he thinking at that moment? Well, I have my position. I have my status. I'm ruler of the kingdom. Maybe I just take a break. You know, just, just for 30 days, just, just don't do any prayer. You know, I just won't do any prayer. But instead, it says that in Daniel 6.10, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. And here's the key, just as he had done before. And I think that's the line, just as he has done before. He didn't wait for things to go wrong and say, oh, yeah, God, sorry, I've kind of forgotten about you, but I kind of need you now. Even in his success, he never forgot. You know, even when things are going good, I need to give my time to God, even in these small things. Just a few moments each day where he just got down and said, you know what? Everything is going well. I'm ruler of the kingdom, but that, that doesn't mean I can't forget the king of kings. That doesn't mean I can't forget who's in charge. And I think that's hardest for us because, you know, when times are hard, we understand instinctively that we need God. But when times are easy and when life is good and things are going well, do we sometimes forget how much we need God until everything collapses around us? And I think Daniel's, Daniel's trusting of the God in those small moments 
is what caused him to survive the den of lions. He God closed the mouths of the lions. And you know, Pastor Greg mentioned this last week, but I think it applies here just as well. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a luring lion, looking for someone to devour. So don't let him catch you off guard when things are going well with all your armor off because you think everything is going great. He can devour you when things are going well just as, just as much when things are going not. That's when you need the brethren to gather here in love to have us pray. Again, find someone that you trust and have them pray with you. And keep on praying each day. But perhaps maybe you're sitting here or maybe you're watching online and thinking, you know what, Jared, that's all good. But my season has been done and passed. I had my shot. Something happened and I royally missed it. God can't use me anymore. I'm done. And you know, we actually see this right here with some of the two greatest men in the Bible, which is Moses and Elijah. These are great, mighty men of God. Where did they mess up? Well, you see, Elijah, mighty man of God that he was when God asked him to move into his new season, when God said, you know what? Because everything to do with Elijah was that he would go before the king and that he would ask him, he would tell him God's word, and then he would run away. And he would go into the forest, and then God would protect him in the forest, so much so that when he eventually decided to go before the king again, the king's servants, actually, I think it was uh, Onesiphorus, went and said, uh, no, no, I'm not going to go to the king and tell him you're here, because the moment I leave here, God's going to take you away, and then you're going to be gone, and then I'm going to be dead. But this time, something different happened. He, he was asked to go before the king, and God didn't want to hide him away. God didn't want him to run away, and he, but he, he was afraid. He was wondering what would happen to him, and he ran. And he ran, and he ran, and he ran to a cave and said, you know what, God, I'm not coming out because this wasn't supposed to be like that. You're supposed to protect me. I didn't want to risk my life. And so Elisha was appointed, and he had to finish what Elijah could not. When Moses was going around in the wilderness, everything had always happened the same way. The, Israels, the Israelites would mess up. They would screw up. And then God would come down with an angel or with a snake, and they would, all, they, they would be reprimanded. And then Moses would keep going. But now, God had asked Moses to do something different. Israel had screwed up, but instead of telling Israel off, he was supposed to show them mercy. He had asked them not to hit a rock, which is a symbol of wrath, but to speak to it, which is a symbol of grace and mercy. But Moses was arrogant and angry, and he didn't do that. He went and he struck that rock as hard as he can after reprimanding Israel and calling them a bunch of reprobates. And, you know, he didn't get to go into the promised land because of that. Joshua, Joshua did. And perhaps you're saying, sitting there and thinking, that's me. My season came. I was, I was ready to go, but I screwed it up. Someone else took it, and you know what? It's, it's long past. But that's not how that story ends in some of the most amazing, merciful, wonderful part of the Bible, we see Jesus in the transfiguration. And in the book of Matthew, Andrew, you can, you can come on up. We see it says, just then, this is during the transfiguration on the mountain, appeared before Jesus, Moses and Elijah, talking 
with Jesus. You see, this story of two mess-ups, and that's what we are, that's what I am, ends in just such joy because, you see, Moses didn't get to go into the promised land. But now he's standing before the ultimate promise that before him that we can all share. Elijah was hoping to see the redemption of Israel, that they would turn back from their false gods to the Lord. And now he's in front of Jesus, who will restore all peoples back to God through his sacrifice. Both of their promises were fulfilled, what they could not do in their own, through Jesus. And I tell you, no matter what you've done, no matter how many times you think you screwed up, the season came and I messed it up, through Jesus, you can be restored. Your heart still beats. You're still here. God can still use you and will use you to reach people, to reach people for the lost. And if you're lost here this morning, if this is the first time you're hearing that God can use you, that God does love you, that no matter what you've done, no matter how many times you've messed up, that God can use you, I'm telling you that he can. You know, the Bible says in the book of Romans that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. That is for all of us, a bunch of mess-ups who just need Jesus, who need to press into him just in faith, who need to press into him each day. And if you press into Jesus this morning, or if you're in here, God can save you. He will save you. He will come to you and say, you know what? Yeah, you may have not done that all that wonderfully, but I love you so much. And I have brothers and sisters who will love you. You're not alone here. That's, in fact, one of the reasons why we meet, we fill each other up in faith. That no matter what happens, no matter how bad things are, we're not here to be perfect and to show off our perfectness. We're here to show off that we hurt and it's hard and that we just need Jesus and that we just need the Lord and that we just need to press into him. And I believe that this morning. So let me pray once more. Father, I pray that you would pour your spirit this morning in this place. That anyone within the sound of my voice, whether here, whether they're listening online, today or far into the future, you haven't forgotten them. We have Jesus that can pour into us and give us the hope and the life that can say, you know what? I love you so much. And I pray, Lord, that you would remind people this morning that they are so loved. You don't want their perfection, you want their heart. And I pray this morning for anyone who believes that, who spoke the word in Romans and said, you know what, I want that, Jesus. I want that love. If there's someone that can use me, even after what I've done, I, I pray that you would just give me that. I, I pray for anyone listening that this morning, that you would pour your spirit into them and give them the Lord. In your holy name, amen. Did you receive the word this morning?